Welcome to More Than Medicine, where Jesus is more than enough for the ills that plague our culture and our country. Hosted by author and physician, Dr. Robert Jackson, with his wife, Carlotta, and daughter, Hannah Miller. So listen up, because the doctor is in. Welcome to More Than Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Jackson, bringing to you biblical insights and tales from the country doctor's rusty, dusty scrapbook. Well, I have a, uh, a delight for you today. I have one of my good friends, Dr. Matt Clark, as our uh, guest today. Welcome, Dr. Clark. I'm so glad to be with you again, Robert. Uh, I really enjoy being with you. Well, it was a delight to have you just a few weeks ago. And uh, after our conversation then, I decided I needed to have you come right back. And I wanted to do a a special conversation uh, for our listening audience today uh, revolving around pastors and their involvement in the political process. And the reason for that is, uh, Matt, you're a a physician, an, an allergist, but you're also the pastor of a local church in North Augusta. Is that right? That's right. Well, we're in Edgefield, Edgefield. South Carolina. Yep, okay. Edgefield. Now, that's the home of the National Wild Turkey Federation. I bet most folks didn't know that. Yes, sir. And, uh, well, as an avid turkey hunter, I have to make make that comment in there. Well, so anyway, you know, you're but you're also very active in the political process, especially in the pro-life movement. And so— Let me first ask you this now, as a pastor, what's a pastor's primary responsibility? Well, brother, all of us are called to look to Christ and to point others to Christ, whether we're pastors or whether we're uh, Christians in other forms of service to the Lord. Um, But more specifically, as, as pastors, we're called to shepherd the local church. I think that's a great way of summarizing the responsibility of pastors. And we serve like under shepherds for Christ, who is the good shepherd. He's the, he's the one that shepherds uh, each congregation by his word and by his spirit. And in his wisdom, the Lord has appointed uh, under shepherds to serve him. And they do this through the word and prayer, devoting themselves to the word and prayer and Robert, this will be biblical preaching from Genesis to Revelation and worship that is biblically regulated, not according to man's inventions. And uh, the best pastors will learn over time how to wisely apply all of God's word to all of life, uh, helping to give good biblical counsel and to follow Christ and to hear his voice in every situation. And by doing this, what we find out is the church can love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, uh, particularly the institution of the church, the biblically regulated worship, but also loving one another well. And this ends up equipping the saints for the work of ministry, because really the works of ministry need to be done out in the world and neighborhoods and workplaces and the halls of politics by the church members. Uh, The church leaders are called to disciple, evangelize, and equip the saints for the work. Of ministry, and we have to remember that all things must be done in love. It's First Corinthians sixteen fourteen. There at the end of that epistle that Paul is writing, he just says this beautiful phrase: "Let all things be done in love." Mm-hmm. And this way, we can all grow up in the knowledge and the love of Christ together, being made like Him together day by day in both His 
humiliation and ultimately uh, someday in his exaltation with him. Well, that's a big responsibility, brother. How do you mesh that with a medical practice? Well, brother, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, the Lord, the Lord grants us um, the energy that we need to make us able to do the things that he's called us to, uh, to follow in our lives. Well, I, I have a great deal of respect for uh, you, my brother, for being able to do, do both of those things and, and do it well. I, I get good reports on you. Well let, me, well, let me ask you this. You're, you're active in the pro-life movement here in South Carolina, and you and I have worked together to help promote pro-life legislation and to be involved with supporting crisis pregnancy centers and all manner of pro-life activities. You're also the executive director of Personhood South Carolina, a pro-life organization in this state. Does that in any way, Matt, conflict with your primary calling as a pastor? No, Robert, it doesn't. Now, I would say that it's very important for any uh, pastor of a local church to uh, make sure they submit themselves to the governance of their local church. And I've done that, and I have the blessing of my local congregation uh, to be involved in this work. And I think this is very important in any pastor's decision-making process. Uh, but then in terms of practically, uh, the goal of personhood South Carolina is a biblical goal. It's a, an organization founded on biblical principles and uh, meant to follow after Christ in the political realm. We aim to restore equal legal protection for every person in South Carolina beginning at conception and without exception. Uh, we do this through teaching uh, and education throughout the state bringing forth the biblical and constitutional principles that provide the solid and invincible foundations for a consistent political worldview that's 100% pro-life. And we pray for and we communicate with our elected officials and we ask them to use all their political power to end the murder of babies in our state. All right. And now do you ever get blowback? or criticism from folks in your congregation about your involvement in the political arena? No, not at all. Um, you know, we, we go through the scriptures verse by verse, and we seek to understand the Lord's will for us while we still have breath. And as we pray for his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, he shows us those gaps where uh, both in our individual lives and in our family lives and our church life and in our civic um, observations where those things do not come together. And we pray towards those gaps, and we also serve the Lord by working to see those gaps filled. And, and where those where that gap between heaven and earth is closed, then what's happening is the Lord is working, and he's moving his people to love, and love is what closes that gap. Mm-hmm. Well, now, do, does, does your involvement in the political arena cause consternation amongst other pastors in your denomination or other denominations? Uh, not in um, in my denomination, no. Um, but yes, in conversation with other pastors, I have uh, noticed that there is sometimes a, a little bit of head scratching from other pastors about um, my level of activity in the political sphere. Well, well, let me make make an observation. I, my representative in the, the district where I am in the upper part of, of, of South Carolina told me recently that only two pastors called him regarding the recent pro-life bill that was being debated 
in the House in South Carolina. What's up with that, Pastor? Well, you know, it's hard to say for sure. I would guess each situation is different. So as I share my observations, it might not be true for your particular elected official. But brother, my observation is that pastors don't tend to consider political engagement as a part of their own personal duty before the Lord. And so therefore, they're also not going to preach that duty to their congregations. Of course, we must first focus upon the message of salvation from sin, death, and hell, uh, calling uh, everyone, all men everywhere, to repent, uh, to confess their sins to God, and to trust in Christ's death upon the cross, his finished work, his precious blood that cleanses us from all of our sins. We must go forth and evangelize folks unto conversion. Uh, Being born again unto eternal life is the first message of any biblical church. But you know, uh, what happens with a good tree, brothers, it bears good fruit. That's right. And so evangelism unto conversions always leads to discipleship unto Christ-likeness. We don't just stop and stop discipling folks. And so if we're going to be good shepherds, we're not only going to lead folks to Christ, to the living water, to eternal life, but we're going to point them to lives of love, to walk into the good works that God has prepared in advance for them to do. We want to have Christ's heart and Christ's mind and his hands in this earth while we still have breath, loving one another, um, showing forth the love of God in our lives. And this is discipleship. And if it's biblical, it will, it must include preaching and teaching on our biblical duty as citizens, citizens of our towns, of our counties, of our state, states, and of our nation. Uh, and, and of course, you can be unbalanced in this. You can have preachers who talk too much about politics. I, I don't, please don't hear what I'm not saying. Mm-hmm. It just needs to be a balanced part of the discipleship that we provide to folks in our churches. Yeah, I understand that. I understand that, but because I, I, I have attended churches where the pastor belabored political issues constantly, and uh, the church members were irritated that there was not preaching of the gospel and Bible teaching. There was always a political rant <laughs> every Sunday, so I, I understand that fully. Yes, we we have to stay away from that and. Uh, focus upon the scriptures and allow the word of God to guide our preaching. And uh, we will um, grow up in Christ as we build our lives together on his word, seeing to it that we are hearing the preaching of God's word and we're reading God's word in our personal lives and our family lives, memorizing God's word, meditating upon God's word, um, thinking through the application of his word to our lives Uh, singing his word, obeying his word, sharing his word, and seeking to return our churches, our families, our neighborhoods, and our culture to the foundations of biblical thinking that uh, were the birth of our nation. Well, what's your advice to pastors when it comes to addressing moral issues that touch on political issues? Don't be afraid. Trust the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Uh, crucified, uh, resurrected, ascended, exalted, reigning King of kings and Lord of lords. And he is the ruler of the kings of the earth. And he has poured out his Holy Spirit upon us and given us his word, uh, the the mightiest tools uh, upon the earth. And he's given us the authority to preach his gospel, 
uh, and to preach his word every jot and tittle from Genesis to Revelation. And so where God's word speaks to these topics, pastors must preach with confidence and with gladness, not apologetically, because Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. And everywhere his government goes, everywhere his law is loved and obeyed, there's prosperity, there's uh, burgeoning freedom, uh, there is love, there's service. And so we want to be uh, grateful for God's word and preach every jot and tittle from Genesis to Revelation and apply God's word to every aspect of life without exception. Hmm. Well, I agree with that. And I, I, I encourage my pastor friends to be courageous, to be bold, uh, to speak the truth of the gospel and the truth of the scriptures to the moral issues um, and not be afraid to address moral issues when, it, when they touch on the, on the political arena. Now, let me, let me say this. During the Revolutionary War, many pastors served as chaplains. They led in battle. They even called their parishioners to enlist, even though their congregations were divided between loyalists, loyal to the crown, and those favoring independence. Many congregations today, Brother Matt, are divided on hot-button moral issues like abortion and homosexuality, transgenderism, divorce and remarriage. Does the fear of offending church members or further dividing a congregation give a pastor a pass when it comes to speaking out on the moral issues? This is Bob, the producer of More Than Medicine podcast. If you're a regular listener to this podcast, you probably already know both Dr. Jackson and I are very much in tune with what's going on around us in the realm of South Carolina government. The complete spectrum, from governor to the school boards, and certainly everything in between. That's why I want to take a minute to tell you about my new podcast, titled South Carolina Politics. I have interviews from candidates to office holders to anybody that has anything to do with government in South Carolina. So check it out. I think you'll like it. It's called South Carolina Politics. Well, no, of course not. Uh, but we we don't we don't want to go out and unnecessarily uh, pick fights either. So we want to be balanced in how we approach the ethical topics of our day. And what I mean is, we want to preach through the Word of God verse by verse. And as the scriptures lead us into application points, we must not shy away from them. And one way pastors avoid these hard topics is by topical preaching. And so I would really encourage uh, pastors to to not do topical preaching, but to do expository verse-by-verse preaching through all of God's Word and make it their goal in their local congregation to preach from Genesis to Revelation Uh, every 10, 15, 20 years, go through the entire Word of God so that every generation that's under their preaching has heard the preaching of the entire Word of God. And when they do this, pastors will be unable to avoid the teaching of of God's Word on the controversial issues. They'll, They'll have to speak up on homosexuality and transgenderism and divorce and remarriage and Uh, the unjust killing of babies. We'll have to speak up about tyranny and usurpation of uh, powers not given to government. They'll have to speak to these issues because God's word speaks to these issues. And as they do so, they will honor Christ 
and they will be filled with his spirit. And as they pray and seek him for boldness, as the early church did there in the early chapters of Acts, God gave boldness and brought together these scattered apostles who were terrified and running away. And instead, the Lord Jesus Christ gave them boldness and they came back to Jerusalem, the very spot where he was. Lord Jesus Christ was murdered. And pastors can expect that uh, the Lord will drive away their fears. And, you know, when, when pastors preach God's word, brother, when they preach it lovingly, clearly, with application points for their folks to consider, uh, congregations won't be divided very long. Factions would come into existence and uh, folks will leave the church through biblical preaching, uh, not because the pastor's trying to run them off, but just because some folks don't want to hear what God's word has to say. They want to be comfortable in their pews and not challenged in their thoughts or in their lives. Or if there's enough of that kind of carnal worldliness in the church, the pastor would be end up kicked out and uh, end up going to preach where the people hunger for God's word. <laughs> You're right. You're exactly right. Well, now, what, what do you think of pastors that involve themselves in the political process? I'm talking about being an activist and, mm-hmm. and maybe running for office or or engaging in, in uh, activism. Well, I think uh, we can start with some real basic biblical principles to establish that every Christian is required to be involved in the political process to some extent. We just kind of do a basic domino chain of logic. Jesus said in Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine, what did he say? He said, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So I hope everyone who's listening will just pause and consider who's my neighbor. Well, the answer, and we know this through the story of the Good Samaritan, is every other human being on earth. That's right. Not just those who live close to us and not just those who think and act like we do. We are to love every other human being on earth as ourselves. But, you know, obviously none of us have limitless resources or time. So because of our human limitations, we can we can only carry out so many acts of love per day. So we end up naturally. According to Providence, uh, we love those in our sphere of activity, those people we know and see the most. But if we step back a little bit more and ask this simple question, is that baby inside the womb somewhere here in South Carolina right now? Is that little boy or that little girl my neighbor? We have to say yes, don't we? We know God makes each baby in his own image. And so each little boy or girl from conception is our neighbor without exception. That child inside the womb is my neighbor. No matter how they got there, God put them there. And God says to me, love that little baby as yourself. As my neighbor. As my, as, as, love, love your neighbor as yourself. That's my neighbor inside the womb. Now, Robert, if you were a baby inside the womb, or I'll ask your listeners, if you're a baby inside the womb of a woman in South Carolina, would you want it to be legal or illegal to kill you while you're still inside the womb? What, What would you hope those outside the womb would be doing for you? I want them to protect me. You'd want them to work to protect you. You'd want them praying for you. You'd want them loving your mother and helping her to make a good decision. But you know what? If she was dead set on killing you, you know what you'd want? You'd want political protection. You'd want legal protection through political action, wouldn't you? That's right. Jesus said, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. So, Robert, I don't want people in our state to come along and take away my right to life and allow certain people to murder me. Right. What if what if the you know, what if the government said, you know, in, in March, you can kill people whose last name is C and starts in C and, and you know, you, we won't charge you with anything. I hope you'd be opposed to that, Robert. 
So isn't it obvious that we're failing to love our neighbor as ourselves if we're silent in the face of their murder? And so I think that chain of questions makes it very clear that each of us is called to be in some fashion involved in seeing that our laws are changed in this state. And pastors are not only called to carry out this political duty of love, but they're also required to preach and teach this political duty of love. They fail their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, if they do not work to end the murder of their neighbors and if they do not preach and teach this duty of their congregation. That's all of us. We must preach Christ crucified and the path of salvation for sinners unto eternal life. We must evangelize unto the conversion of the lost. But in addition, we pastors cannot stop there. We've not done our duty to Christ. We must go on and teach and preach unto sanctification, discipleship, unto Christ's likeness, being transformed into his image. And this includes loving our neighbors in the womb as ourselves. And there's other political topics we could think through in the same fashion where we can see that if we're not active, we are really not loving our neighbors. Uh, think about it. We're I think about how much power um, the government has, the state has. I mean, <laughs> think about that. They, the state can take away my neighbor's life, my neighbor's liberty, my neighbor's reputation, my neighbor's property. The state can utterly ruin my neighbor's life and family. So if I'm not working to assure that the state's power is used properly, then I'm not only failing my neighbors currently, right now alive, but I'm also failing future generations to come, Robert. That's right. You're exactly right. Historically, are there any historical examples of of pastors that you and I can refer to that have been active in the political process and uh, but st- and maintained their integrity as as pastors and and past preachers of the word? Absolutely. Again, I want to say that politics is just one part of being faithful to the Lord. I, I don't want anyone to hear what I'm not saying. A pulpit can be unbalanced by introducing political application into a biblical text where it doesn't rightly belong. I think also the times will will um, guide uh, pastors' decision making. That's uh, pastors have to discern the times and know when it's more or less important to bring up these political applications. I believe we li- live in a time where these political applications are more important uh, than in other times. And another pastor uh, who was a great example in our past of wisdom is John Witherspoon. Uh, he was a minister and he was the president of the College of New Jersey, now Princeton. He was one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence. And uh, he preached a very influential sermon in May of 1776. Uh, it's called The Dominion of Providence Over the Passions of Men. And it's a little bit of a lengthy quote, Robert, could, but could I read it? I mean, it's just sure. so helpful sure. to go us. Go for it. We got, we got four minutes left. Go for it. All right. Here's what he said in 1776 when he preached this at Princeton, and it got published and sent all around the country. If your cause is just, you may look with confidence to the Lord and entreat him to plead it as his own. You are all my witnesses that this is the first time of my introducing any political subject into the pulpit. At this season, however— It is not only lawful, but necessary, and I willingly embrace the opportunity of declaring my opinion without any hesitation that the cause in which America is now in arms is the cause of justice, of liberty, and of human nature. So far as we have hitherto proceeded, I am satisfied that the confederacy of the colonies has not been the effect of pride, resentment, or sedition, 
but of a deep and general conviction that our civil and religious liberties, and consequently in a great measure the temporal and eternal happiness of us and our posterity depended on the issue. The knowledge of God and his truths have from the beginning of the world been chiefly, if not entirely, confined to those parts of the earth where some degree of liberty and political justice were to be seen, and great were the difficulties with which they had to struggle from the imperfection of human society and the unjust decisions of usurped authority. There's not a single instance in history in which civil liberty was lost and religious liberty preserved entire. If, therefore, we yield up our temporal property, we at the same time deliver the conscience into bondage. So Witherspoon uh, was not one to to bring politics into the pulpit uh, with any degree of regularity. But the times, he says, at this season, it was not only lawful but necessary. I got you. So I would ask pastors, uh, you know, is it not only lawful but necessary at this time for us to be – bringing political considerations into the pulpit. Especially when they're they're moral considerations. They are absolutely moral considerations. They are considerations from God's Word. And we know that it is uh, not loving our neighbors to be silent when our political leaders are allowing for certain of our neighbors to be uh, unjustly killed. Now, are there certain books that you have read along the way that have helped to inform your thinking on these issues? Absolutely. Uh, I like to look to to history as a guide, and uh, this sermon by Witherspoon is in a a very helpful work called Political Sermons of the American Founding Era. Uh, They were preached from 1730 through 1805. It's two two volumes to collect all these sermons. Pastors like uh, John Wesley and John Witherspoon and Jonathan Edwards and Noah Webster and others are included in this really helpful work. Man, well, that's impressive. I might have to get a hold of that and start reading some of those myself. Well, listen, you've been listening to Dr. Matt Clark, uh, a physician allergist from Edgefield, South Carolina, and he's a pastor and and a dear friend of mine, and I have valued his uh, friendship. I've valued his input and working side-by-side with him on uh, pro-life efforts in South Carolina. It's been a delight to have you on More Than Medicine, Dr. Clark. I appreciate your wisdom. I appreciate your insight. And I'm sure my audience has uh, enjoyed hearing you as well. Well, Robert, thank you for those kind words, brother. And I've learned so much from you through the years, and I'm really grateful for all that you taught me and for our friendship, brother. Uh, Just so the audience will know, Dr. Clark and I pray together just about every Thursday morning. Uh, We're praying that God will... Uh, enable us to to pass pro-life legislation in our state that will protect every unborn child from conception and without exception. And it's been, been my delight to, to pray with him with regularity, really for over a year now, maybe a year and a half. I don't don't quite remember how long, but it's... Yes, brother, it is. It is a spiritual battle. It has been a battle but and a prayer battle, but it's, been, right. it's been a delight. Well, thank you, brother. You've been listening to More Than Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Jackson. Thank you for listening to this edition of More Than Medicine. For more information about the Jackson Family Ministry, Dr. Jackson's books, or to schedule a speaking engagement, 
Go to their Facebook page, Instagram, or their webpage at jacksonfamilyministry.com. This podcast is produced by Bob Sloan Audio Production at bobsloan.com.